I want you all for, for just a moment to close your eyes. This isn't an invitation to sleep. I'd like to think my sermons are a little more interesting than that. This isn't an invitation to sleep, but I want you all to close your eyes and I want you to, to picture this. I want you to, to picture the lives that you've built for yourselves. I want you to picture the home in which you live. I want you to picture the, the point in the career that you've worked so hard to get to. If God has blessed you with a family, I, I want you to picture your spouse. If he's given you children, picture your children. If you are a child, picture your parents. Picture the cars that you drive, the vacations that you take, and the hobbies in which you spend your time, the friends whose companionship you cherish and love. Can you picture it? All right, you can open your eyes. The lives that we've built for ourselves they're lives that we cherish. They're gifts, right? Properly understood, I think we all, we all get that, that everything that we have is a gift given to us by our Father. Uh, everything we have is a good and gracious gift from Him. To each one of those things that I had you picture, they are things to which memories are attached for all of you. Our lives, and the things that our God has given us, including our lives, are things that we cherish and love. But what if, what if you were asked to just leave it all behind? What if somebody came up to you and not giving you much of an opportunity for time to make the decision to give an answer said, come follow me and leave everything that you have built for yourself behind? What would it take for you to do that? It's the very thing that Simon, also known as Peter, that Simon and James and John had to wrestle with on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. They were men who, in an instant, almost, had to wrestle with, what would it take for me to leave behind everything familiar, everything comfortable, everything I have ever known, to follow a man I barely knew, a man who said to me, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come, from now on, you're no longer going to fish for, for fish with nets on, a, on water, but instead you're going to fish for people. Now, Peter, James, and John, this is, this is why I love reading through Scripture and especially through narrative, because these characters aren't placed there by accident. They are characters that the, the writer of each individual book is begging for you to identify with, and Peter, James, and John are three men that we can identify with because they were normal people. They're normal people like you and me, right? They were people who had families. Last week we heard about Jesus coming to heal Simon Peter's mother-in-law, which means what? Simon had a wife and a family. These were men who had careers because they had to provide for their families. They were, their career happened to be fishermen, but they had careers just like you. They had homes that they loved and cherished and, and places where they built memories. They they were people like you who had things in life that they loved, and yet in an instant. But a man they barely knew came up to them. They had to decide, am I willing to leave everything behind? Now, as you can imagine, because this is probably how you would feel, you can probably imagine that they probably felt a little bit uneasy about this, right? If I asked you, all right, come follow me. You're going to leave everything you've ever known. That would make you a little uneasy, right? Put yourself in their shoes. What would you feel? 
would you be willing to do it? What would it take for you, like Simon, James, and John, to leave everything behind? Now, this is all happening on the heels of what Jesus spoke at shortly after he had not only healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law, but also uh, a bunch of people in this city. As he was teaching and preaching to these people, Jesus said to them, I, I can't just stay here as much as you want me to. I've got to go on. I've got to go to other cities and other places to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, because that is why I was sent. And so that's what Jesus does. He moves on from the city that he's in and goes to the Lake of Gennesaret, which is Luke's designation for the Sea of Galilee, a place where a a large part of Jesus' ministry and miracles takes place. And as he's there on those shores, he's doing what he normally does, which is teaching people. And the more he teaches, the more people show up to listen to him. And pretty soon he's surrounded by a whole mass of people. So he looks down at at the shore and what does he see? He sees a couple boats. He sees a couple fishermen, and he gets into the boat of Simon Peter and says, Simon, why don't you push off from shore a little bit? Simon listens, and Jesus then from that boat, he begins to teach people. And after Jesus finishes teaching them, he says, Simon, why don't you go out and put out in deep water? Put down your nets for a catch of fish. Simon puts up a little bit of an argument, doesn't he? Well, master, we've fished all night. And haven't caught a thing, but, but because you tell me, I'm going to go do it. And then something miraculous happens. In fact, it is a miracle. They let down their nets. And Peter and his companions in that boat, they start to pull up these nets. And there's so many fish there that the nets begin to fall apart. And they signal James and John and their fishing buddies. And they come out and they, they fill their boats up to the point where they're going to sink. This is incre- an incredible miracle. And it's at this point that this miracle does something miraculous for Simon Peter. It hits him square between the eyes, and it's only then that he realizes who he's talking to, who he's in the presence of, who he is. Right? In Luke, he shows us this uh, in two different ways. One, it's the change in title that, uh, that Peter calls Jesus. What does he first call Jesus? Master. After he sees the miracle, he calls Jesus what he really is. He calls him Lord. But the second way he recognizes, or the second big thing even that he recognizes is is about himself. Now that he's standing in the presence of the Lord, he admits his own sinfulness. Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. But Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. Come follow me and I will make you a fisher of people. No longer are you going to fish for fish, but you're going to fish for men. And then it's amazing because Luke, he tells us one really important detail. They left and they followed him. Men just like men, just like all of you, they leave behind their spouses, and their families, and their homes, and their careers. They leave everything behind and they follow Jesus. And what would that take for you? To leave everything behind and follow Jesus. Now this isn't some like bait and switch question where I'm trying to trick you into something. Because the reality is for many of us here this morning, that happened a long time ago. Long before any of us even even remembered. It happened at our baptisms. That moment where God, through water and the word, 
calls you out of your former way of life, calls you to leave your sinful selves behind, and calls you to follow him into a new life. He calls you out of the darkness into the light. It's in that waters of your baptism where God, he drowns, he kills your sinful nature and plants in you a new man who not only loves Jesus, but loves to follow Jesus. It's in the waters of your baptism where God calls you his father and you his child. This is where God first called you to leave, leave everything behind and follow him. And day to day, since our baptisms, day to day, we think we do a pretty sufficient job at following him. We do a pretty sufficient job, we think, at fulfilling the two tables of the law, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We think we do a pretty good job at coming to worship pretty regularly because we know the importance of word and sacrament. We do a a pretty good job, a pretty sufficient job at keeping our devotional life on track, even if you're just using the tools that I give you for Bible study during the week. You're, you do a pretty good job at keeping your prayer life, uh, keeping on top of your prayer life because you know your prayer life is a communication with God where God enables you to pour out your soul to him. We think from day to day we do a pretty sufficient job at leaving behind our former way of life and, and following Jesus. But the problem is, the further that you and I get away from our baptisms, the further that we are removed from that first moment that Jesus called us to follow him on this narrow road to heaven, it seems like that pathway which we are following Jesus on, that narrow road, seems to get narrower. And on each side of that road, the ditches that exist begin to get a little bit wider and a little bit deeper. And in our walk, Following Jesus, in that walk, the two ditches that exist on either side of that road, I think are called complacency or despair. Or you fall into the ditch of complacency as you are trying to leave everything behind and follow Jesus when you think you've, you've kind of just got things figured out, right? When you think you are living a pretty good life to a point where you kind of look back and reflect on your walk with Jesus that week, your walk following him and you don't really think there's that many quote-unquote bad things that you did. You don't really have that many things you need to repent of, that many things that you need to say sorry for. I don't really need to ask for that much forgiveness this week because I've, I've done a pretty good job. Becoming complacent in your walk with Jesus looks like not devoting as much time as you should to the Word of God, even though you know how powerful and effective the Word of God is. It looks like it looks like if you look at a month on, of Sundays on a calendar, it, it kind of looks like only picking out a handful of Sundays to come to worship because the other few, well, I don't really need them that much. I don't need to be surrounded by word and sacrament. I don't need to be surrounded by brothers and sisters who are struggling in this walk with me. I've done a pretty good job. That's what complacency in following Jesus looks like. But, but there's another ditch too. It's despair. As you walk along that narrow road to heaven, following Jesus, trying to leave your sinful life behind, that is a, a life that is incredibly difficult. And I think you all realize this. That following Jesus is hard. And it can be easy to, to topple over into that ditch of despair when, when a life following Jesus clashes with a life lived in the sinful world. 
when all of a sudden your faith is confronted with challenge and hardship, and instead of looking at that challenge and hardship as a thing that God is using to refine your faith, a thing that God is using to, to bring you closer to him and to strengthen you to follow Jesus in a better and clearer way, we, tr- we face that, that hardship and we just try to, to take a path around and avoid it. Because going through that can make you despair. Despairing of your walk with Jesus kind of looks like when your faith is is challenged by people that you know. You're challenged on a relational level. And instead of standing up for Jesus and the truth and his word, well, we back down lest we risk, I don't know what you'd call it, relational damage, so damage to your social credibility. Life following Jesus is hard and it can be so easy to fall into that ditch of despair. Because when Jesus calls you to leave everything behind to follow him, he, he doesn't want you to abandon your family unless, unless your family is causing you to sin. That's a, that's a topic for a whole other sermon. Jesus doesn't necessarily want you to leave everything behind. What he wants you to leave behind are the things that are causing you to not follow him in a better way not follow him in the way that he wants you to, to not follow him in the way that Peter, James, and John followed him. Thankfully, thankfully, these ditches, they aren't really our problem. Do you know what our problem is? Complacency and despair isn't our problem. They are, are symptomatic of the problem that we have. It's this corrupt heart of sin. Sin is this disease for which there is no cure, that earthly cure that we can find. That cure only comes from one place and one place alone. It is that sin that caused Isaiah to say, Woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips and live among unclean people. When the Lord said, You're going to follow me and you're going to preach my message. It was Peter's sinfulness that caused him to hold Jesus at arm's length and say, Jesus, go away from me because I am a sinful man. Complacency and despair aren't aren't your problems, it's your sin. And sin is not something that you and I can deal with on our own. And when we try, we can't follow Jesus. When we try to deal with our sin on our own, we cannot follow Jesus. But thankfully, thankfully that Jesus who showed up and called Simon and Peter, or Simon Peter and James and John, that Jesus. He did leave everything behind. And for what purpose? To follow you around. That seems like a funny way to think about it. But think about it this way. Jesus left everything. He left the perfection of heaven. He left the throne room of grace. He left the kingdom that was his by right. He left that all behind and took on flesh and blood. He took on flesh and blood so that he could sit beside in a boat. So he could sit beside flesh and blood. He took on flesh and blood so that he could eat at a table with sinners who are flesh and blood. To carry out ministry on the shores of the Sea of Galilee with people who are flesh and blood. And Jesus left everything behind to ultimately go to a cross. Where your sin would all be dealt with. The thing that keeps you from following Jesus. Jesus left that all behind. And then he says those same words to you. That he says to Peter, he says, don't be afraid. 
Because if we are left on our own to try to deal with our sin, which never turns out well, if we are left on our own to deal with our sin, the only thing, the only reaction that we could have is the reaction of Isaiah and the reaction of Peter. Go away from me, I am sinful. Woe to me, Lord, I am a man or a woman of unclean lips and an unclean heart. But now because Jesus came and took on flesh and blood and lived for you and died for you and rose for you and now calls you to follow him, he says, don't be afraid. Because I am not the God that your sinful nature envisions, a God who comes to to enact revenge on you for every time you haven't followed me the way I have called you to. No, I am the God who loved you enough to forgive you, die for you, to take away all of your sins. And now in light of what I have done for you, I'm asking you to come and follow me. I'm asking you to be messengers of that same message of grace and peace. Do not be afraid, Jesus says to you. To Peter, to James, and to John, Jesus' message was simple and clear. Leave everything behind and follow me. When he says follow me, That's the promise to Peter, James, and John that what they were about to embark on, they were not going to embark on alone. It was the promise of Jesus' presence, of Jesus' power, of Jesus' protection and care throughout the whole time that they were, were following Jesus in this life to a road that ultimately led not only to Jesus' cross, but to many of their own crosses. Jesus says, come follow me like he did to Simon, James, and John. He says, don't be afraid. Because the reality is the moment that your God calls you to follow him, that's not the promise of an easy life. Unfortunately, that's what some teach. But when Jesus calls you to follow him, that's not the promise of an easy life. But in fact, in almost every single way, your life will become increasingly more difficult. Because when Jesus asks you to follow him, he's asking you to carry something. He not only says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. He says, come follow me. And in order to do that, you must pick up your cross. And it's only then that you can follow me. Life with Jesus may not be easy. But it's worth it. Every single aspect of it is worth it. All of the hardship you endure on account of following Jesus, even if it's internal struggle and strife as you battle against your sinful nature, all of it is worth it. Walking along that narrow road to heaven, leaving everything behind and following Jesus, Jesus says to you it's worth it because of what's waiting for you in the end. You may have struggles here in this life, in this world, but a perfection of heaven is waiting for you on the other side of that. This is why Jesus says at every juncture of your life, when he calls you to follow him, he says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. So what will it take for you to leave everything behind? Everything behind that causes you to sin. Everything behind that would lead you on a different path other than to heaven. What will it take for you to leave everything behind and follow Jesus? It's the gracious commands and promises of of your Savior. The same ones spoken to Simon and James and John, the, the same ones that are spoken to you again anew this morning. God grants you the strength of faith to fearlessly and fully follow him. Amen.